Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Good evening and welcome to the Sages Among Us on KVMR. My name is Taylor Wolf, one of your hosts for the Sages Among Us. And my guest tonight is Jack Litton, a photography instructor and environmental filmmaker. Uh, Jeff Linton travels the world aboard the National Geographic Expedition Ship, teaching photography, film, and natural history. You may have seen his work in National Geographic magazine or on their television channel. He also works as an environmental filmmaker and has produced films for the Nature Conservancy, Sea Shepherd Conservation Society, Lighthawk, and many others. He loves teaching photography and film and hopes to share his infectious love for nature photography and environmental media. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on with me tonight. Welcome to the Sages Among Us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for the invitation. Such an honor. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking with you tonight. Um, as we do before most of our shows, we get um, a little bit of a pre-interview, and, and your life uh, just sounds very, very interesting. So I hope our listeners out there enjoy it. Um, let's dive right in. Let's uh, tell me a little bit about yourself from the beginning. Tell me where you grew up and a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, great. So uh, I'm from Nevada County, third generation. Um, chances are a bunch of people out there probably <laughs> know another Lytton. Or we're kind of one of those names where, you know, you go around town and someone's like, oh, yeah, I know your uncle or your aunt or something like that. Uh, and in fact, my amazing cousin, Jen Lytton, she used to be one of the hosts on this show. So, um, so uh, I grew up here, and, uh, um, and you know, Nevada Union was such a great school. They had a really great film and video department, actually, and, uh, and, and it was really intriguing and fun. And so I actually um, uh, I, I got some really good advice when I was at school, which was whatever sounds like the most fun thing to do, somebody's getting paid to do it. And it's not you right now, but it could be. And, uh, and so that was some really great advice, I thought. And I figured, well, you know, I love traveling. I bet I can get paid to travel and maybe even get paid to go on people's vacations if I do photography and video. And uh, it turns out that, uh, it was, that I was right. <laughs> so um, anyways, I went to college. I went to film school in Brooks Institute of Photography in Santa Barbara. And then uh, when I graduated, um, I asked my nature photography teacher, whose work all of you know, if you uh, imagine the, that photograph that you've seen of uh, an iceberg floating in the water where you see 10% of it above the water and 90% below the water, that was my, that was my nature photography teacher. And, uh, and he, he gave me some advice. He said, you know, you should start working on ships. Um, and so when I graduated, all I knew was I wanted to become an expedition filmmaker working on ships. And uh, long story short, um, was at a family... Um, birthday party, my dad's 60th birthday party, and, and one of our family friends said, you know, Jeff, I work for this company called Lindblad Expeditions, and we have ships all around the world, and we have videographers on all those ships. Maybe you would want to work for our company. And I went, I just put my hands up. I said, that's exactly what I was looking for. So um, so uh, I started with that, but also, too, uh, to go back in time a little bit, a few years back when I was at, at college, um, I w started going to the Wild and Scenic Film Festival, 
Um, and it was an amazing time to, to go, uh, especially just kind of in my life, trying to think like, what do I want to do? Who do I want to become? What is it that's important to me? And we had amazing speakers like Julia Butterfly, who was the woman who, um, you know, uh, who protected redwood trees by uh, climbing up inside of a tree and living there for two years so that it couldn't get cut down. And so hearing her talking about stewardship in a very different way than anything that I had ever heard. Um, and one of the things that, one of the points that she made to, to our community was like, look, this is really nice. Nevada City is beautiful, but if everybody here just thinks, you know, thinks and works locally, we're not going to solve the bigger problems. So don't forget about the bigger problems because Nevada City looks like you've already got it figured out in a lot of ways. And so, um, anyways, long story short with that, um, I realized through the Wild and Scenic Film Festival that I wanted to make environmental films. And so um, I would make my money in tourism, uh, making videos on, on the ships, uh, basically a 30-minute documentary every seven days, and then that would, uh, that would be for our guests. And, and then I would go home and then spend my money working on environmental projects and making films and connecting with other organizations and and uh and that's that's kind of where i was 13 years ago and more or less i'm kind of still doing essentially the same thing just you know still working in tourism for most of my money and then um either making money or spending money on environmental projects so that's kind of that's kind of the long and short of it <laughs> Uh, and uh, before we, we dive into your, it sounds like, many adventures broad, um, I want to focus in on, on the different projects and films you've done locally. Um, you mentioned the Wild and Scenic Film Festival, and that was kind of like, you know, very an initial inspiration to get into that environmental stewardship and, and carrying that message. Can you tell us about um, some of the films that you've actually had in the Wild and Scenic Film Festival and maybe some of the projects that you've done here locally? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I can't, you know, say enough great things about the Wild and Scenic Film Festival. I think that, you know, the service that Circle, the South Yuba River Citizens League, I think that they, you know, just they really, uh, I, whether they know it or not, they change people's lives. And I was one of those people, and I've seen other people who have had that same experience um, and so, um, so I started, uh, I started putting together these films, basically, you know, I, I would be traveling in these great places like Galapagos or Mexico or Alaska, and then I would be compiling footage and my bosses were fine with me using some of that footage for nonprofit videos and things like that. And so, um, so I started putting together films and so some of those, um, were about, ocean conservation. Um, I started, uh, I was lucky enough to work in Galapagos and the Galapagos Islands for about a year, uh, if you add up all the years together. And so um, I, I, I became good friends with one of the organizations down there, Sea Shepherd Conservation Society, uh, and they do work all around the world. But uh, through their office there, we were doing a lot of work trying to stop illegal shark fishing uh, and shark finning. Um, and so so I kind of got uh, into that arena for a while, ocean conservation and shark conservation, um, and then started um, started kind of reeling it back in a little bit, trying to do more local work. Uh, and so there was, I don't know if you guys remember, you know, more than a decade ago, but there was a wolverine. We had a wolverine 
right here, you know, in the Uber River watershed who walk down from Idaho. And Sierra Pacific Industries um, had seen him quite a bit, you know, because they have uh, they had a biologist who had been, you know, setting up cameras in a lot of their study areas before they would log. And so um, it, it was, it kind of motivated me. I'm like, oh my God, you know, it's like you really don't need to go around the world to find these amazing stories or, or even incredible, you know, animals. Like literally in our backyard right here, um, you know, we, we have amazing animals as well. And so I started putting out cameras, uh, little wildlife cameras, because uh, even though there was only one wolverine, I really, really wanted to find him and film him. And, uh, and after about three years, I was able to finally get footage of him on one of my camera traps. And uh, so that was another video that made it in there. Um, kind of, you know, ironically, uh, the, my most successful footage <laughs> that I've ever filmed, it was actually back when I was still going to school, when I was still getting my degree at Brooks. And we were doing undersea cinematography. That was the class. It was incredible. We were going out diving during the summertime. And uh, there's this, this animal, this fish called a sarcastic fringe head. And it's a crazy name for an even crazier fish because uh, they live in shells and they open up their mouth gigantic. Um, they're about a you know, eight or 12 inch long fish, but they can open up their mouth just huge. And so it looks like this total monster. Um, and it's really rare to get footage of them fighting and so um i i ended up licensing that footage for a national geographic uh, uh, documentary series that was the aired on national geographic called nature's greatest battles um which is why i like to make the joke that you know because my most successful material was from you know when i was in college that <laughs> my, my career's been downhill since then um <laughs> but um but uh that, those films, and then, and then in 2016, um, I found out about Centennial Dam, the proposal for Centennial Dam to flood eight and a half miles of Bear River, um, and and the flood, you know, a bunch of homes and and Dog Bar Bridge, and this was a section of the river where I learned to whitewater kayak, um, and and so um, I started working with other organizations uh, and trying to learn you know, just to really capture the whole story. And so then put together a film in 2016. Um, and luckily, too, it was also the catalyst to get me interested in aerials, uh, into drone photography and drone cinematography specifically, um, which was just great. And so, <laughs> I mean, you know, as bad as, as Centennial has been for, um, you know, for our community and certainly devastating for people who live along along that corridor, um, you know, who don't know if they're going to, you know, if they should be fixing their home, you know, because they don't know if they're going to have a home in 10 years. Um, you know, as, as challenging as it's been, it's actually, you know, there are in parts of it that I've really appreciated, you know, because like it, it kind of brought me back to the community um, and made me, you know, try to focus a lot more of my efforts instead of, you know, other places around the world that kind of just, you know, brought it, brought it in. And, uh, and so I, made that film that year. It's called Voice of the Bear River. Um, these are all on YouTube. You can search Save Bear River uh, to see that channel. But there was that first film. And then the next year, um, the general manager of NID, uh, Nevada Irrigation District, our, uh, this is our water utility for those of you out in Radio Land who uh, don't know what I'm talking about. Sorry for the acronym there. Um, our water district, Nevada Irrigation District, 
had this debate with the executive, then direct, uh, executive director of Circle, uh, Caleb Dardick. And in this debate, um, somebody you know said, what about the Nisanon? What about our Native American tribe? And the answer that, that the general manager from Nevada Irrigation District said is we're not what he said is that we're not working with the Nisanon. We're already working with another federally recognized tribe. And if you want to be a part of that discussion, you have to go join this other tribe. Um, and that was basically what he's saying because the Nisanon aren't a federally recognized tribe because, you know, it, because they lost their federal recognition in the sixties. And so, um, I was in the back of the room filming and my jaw hit the floor and I realized that I needed to make a film for Shelley and for the Nisanon and to just tell their story, not only for the Nevada City Nisanon, but also for the Colfax Nisanon. Um, and so made that second, uh, made that second film. And then the next year, um, uh, we finished it. So that was at the Wild and Scenic Film Festival. And then, uh, another one following year, I was down, you know, flying, flying the drone on this most beautiful day. Uh, after the storm had kind of rolled through, and suddenly that came this uh, group of kayakers coming down the river in this like really technical section, and so I got this incredible footage, and I still to this day I don't I don't even know who's in the <laughs> I don't know uh, who they were, but then I made another film about that, and then last year 2020 uh, put together another film hiking and then tubing the length of that river. Uh, that would be flooded. So the the full eight and a half miles that would be underneath Centennial Dam, and uh, and it's you know it, the, the it's it's kind of sad you know but the you know the the trouble that Bear River has is you know the biggest trouble is that so few people know about it and celebrate it because we have two beautiful rivers as well to the north and south you know the American River and the Yuba River and there's so much more infrastructure and trails and you know hiking trails biking trails on those other places that a lot of people kind of forget about the Bear River. And so that was the purpose of the film was just to, to show people the extent and just, you know, what a, what a magnificent place worth protecting. Um, so, so those are the, uh, those are a hand, a handful, pretty good, pretty good mix of the films that I've had uh, locally and, and super exciting to mention. Um, I guess I'm, I'm not supposed to mention the most exciting part, but I've been working uh, with, the Bear Yuba Land Trust, who is, as many of you know, one of the absolute best nonprofit organizations in our community. And, um, and we've been putting together a really big film all about the Land Trust and the, and the, uh, the amazing projects that they have. Um, and, and we entered it into the Wild and Scenic Film Festival. And I can, I, I'm not, I can neither confirm nor deny our acceptance into the film festival because they've released the information to the filmmakers, but they haven't put out their final schedule yet. So I'm not allowed to share with you um, any good news that I may or may not have. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but one could say there's a very good chance one might be able to see it at the Wild and Scenic Film Festival this year. So that's super exciting. That's great. And um, you explained a lot of other fascinating videos, it sounds like, that people might be interested in going to look at. Is there a place for these local works that you've done that people can go and watch them if they're interested? Yeah, yeah. So um, a long time ago, you know, I wanted to put together, you know, I was like, I need a big umbrella. I need a big company. Like, what's something that I can, like, you know, a name that I can use for partnering with all these other different nonprofit organizations around the world? And so I came up with the idea of the 
United Global Environmental News Agency. So United Global Environmental News Agency, and then it just uh, turned that into an acronym, Eugenia, U-G-E-N-A. So if you go to eugenia.org, U-G-E-N-A.org, O-R-G, it will then kick you over to my YouTube page, which has, um, has all those films on there. And then you can check them out and, and uh, yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's fun to, you know, put together a lot of these things. And a lot of the videos, too, are just, like, passion projects, you know? And, and, and I think that it's, um, I think one of the reasons that, you know, that, that filmmaking has stayed relevant to me is that, um, that it's not just a labor. It's not just a trade that I do for somebody else. And I think that's really important, like, especially, you know, if people, you know, um, you know, I guess whatever they're doing, but just to still have some like creative outlet. Um, my dad's an artist, uh, and, and he loves painting. Um, and, and, and yeah, I just, I, I see in so many ways, um, how, how art and that can, and art is a pretty broad definition too. you know, what, whatever it is, you know, but, but just, you know, some kind of creative thing, some kind of good creative outlet. I think it's just so, so helpful for people. Yeah, absolutely. For, for folks who might be uh, joining us a little bit before we started, you're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Taylor Wolf, and I'm with Jeff Litton, a local photography instructor and environmental filmmaker tonight. Um, Jeff, I want to dive back into some of your work abroad. Um, you had written to me that your life was forever changed after you got the nick- nickname Gringo Loco. Can you tell us a little bit about that life-changing moment? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Gringo Loco, uh, it's not a nickname that I really have here uh, in the States. I mean, if, if, if people want to start using it, that's great. I'm happy. But, um, but actually, I got the nickname, uh, and it's stayed for years um, from when I started working in Galapagos in 2009. It was my, it was my first contract. And, uh, and I went down there and before I got the job opportunity, like before my boss offered it to me, I didn't know anything about the Galapagos. I didn't know where they were. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know why people were so excited when I would tell them that I was going to go work in Galapagos. And then, you know, lo and behold, it's this incredible, uh, this incredible um, group of islands on the equator uh, to the west of Ecuador, about a thousand kilometers, about six hundred miles off of Ecuador. And what's unique about them, um, they were formed just like Hawaii, so, you know, volcanic islands in the middle of nowhere. But because they were never connected to land, they have a very strange assortment of animals who have arrived. Because everybody either either flew there or drifted there or swam there or were born there. Um, and so the animals there, they don't have any large predators, and so they're very... Um, friendly. I mean, they're fearless. They're fearless. And so, you know, you're walking right next to sea lions or, or iguanas or birds or whatever it is. Um, but anyway, so it was my first contract getting, you know, going down there and my head is just kind of like spinning because this place just seems like it shouldn't exist. Um, and, uh, there was this one place where we would go, uh, for the Zodiac ride. We, we take out these little, you know, um, inflatable motorboats and just kind of, um, tootle around and, and look at animals like penguins and flightless cormorants, birds that used to be able to fly but have lost their ability to fly because the food's so good there's no reason to fly. Um, and so 
we're just out kind of tootling around and we get a call on the radio from one of our colleagues down the down the shoreline he says there is a there's an orca coming up the coastline headed your way we're like oh my gosh no way and so i was pretty naive you know like i i didn't um you know i loved biology in school but i didn't i certainly didn't know a lot of the animals um and so i, pr- I might have uh, I might have known a little bit about orca whales, but I didn't know that much about them. Anyways, I was super excited, you know, and sure enough, this thing is like coming up and then, and then we can see it and it's like right in front of us. Um, and you know, it's a mammal, so it's got to breathe there. So it's surfacing right in front of us. And I get these two beautiful shots of it, you know, not, you know, not very far from our little boat. And the water is so clear that you can like see underwater and you can see it's, you know, black and white patterns. And then I get the shots. And then I, I look down at my feet, and there's my underwater camera. And, uh, and my friend Celso is driving the boat. And I turn around, and I say, Celso, I got the shots. I'm going in. And he's like, okay, sounds good. And so he takes me, you know, so we kind of drive out and around the corner, way up ahead of it, because the, the orca is just kind of moving up the, up the coastline. And, uh, and then he's like, okay, here. So, he, you know, he says, jump. And so I, I jump in the water, and I've got my camera, and, you know, mask and flippers and all this stuff. And, and I'm looking and there's nothing. It's just this like blue wall of water. And then out of the depths, out of out in the distance, suddenly here is this killer whale swimming right for me. And it's a really big animal <laughs> when you're looking at it eye to eye. Uh, it's like five or six feet wide. Uh, its mouth is like four feet wide or something like that. It's a very big animal. They're like you know, 10,000 pounds. Um, and so, you know, suddenly here is this whale and it's swimming right at me. And it was incredible. It came, you know, 50 feet away, 20 feet away. Then suddenly it's, you know, 10 feet away. And I'm just kind of like, you know, following it with the, with the camera and it swims past and just doesn't even know, you know, look, it seems as though it doesn't even notice, you know, it just pays no mind, just totally ignores me. And, and then I come up, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was so incredible. And I realized that I forgot to hit record on the camera. And so I, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, because the people on the boat, they're like, oh, I can't wait to see the shot. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't tell these people that I just blew it. And so I, I, I say, Celso, that was amazing. Can we do it one more time? And he's like, yeah, sure. And so we, uh, we repeat the process, just, you know, go way out and around, way up ahead of it, and then it's coming in, I jump in the water, and then again, it comes right by. This time, I was recording, and I got a you know, beautiful shot, and then, you know, come up, and, and, and everyone's super excited, and then I'm like, how about another time? He's like, yeah, sure. And then, so we did it again and again, and we ended up doing it five times. Um, so I got, you know, a few shots of it. And, uh, and it, was, it was incredible. And so then when we were going back to the boat. And, and when, when I got back on the boat, you know, I'm telling the story to my colleagues and they're like, wow, man, I can't believe that you got in the water with a killer whale. Those things, you know, they eat sharks and, 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 you know, killer whales on the top of the food chain, they can eat great white, you know, there've been a, reports of them killing great white sharks outside of San Francisco. Uh, they eat, you know, 2000 pound, um, stellar sea lions. They, they can attack, you know, giant seals, you know, anywhere in the, in the world. And so my friend's like, I can't believe that you got in the water with the killer whale. And, and, and they're like, man, you were really gringo loco. 
And I was like, Gringo Loco, hey, that's a good name. And they're like, yeah, man, Gringo Loco. And so from that day on, uh, yeah, they, they just kind of started calling me Gringo Loco. And, uh, and it was fun because, you know, I, I would spend about three months a year down there and, and we'd go to this little tiny town and, and I ended up meeting and knowing a lot of people to where like I'd be walking up the street and then people would just, you know, out of, out of some cafe or wherever, somebody would yell out, hey, Gringo Loco. And, <laughs> and so, yeah. It was it was funny. It was funny to be to become known as as Gringo Loco. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a nickname and, and quite a moment too. Um, our interview is going really really fast tonight. We have seven minutes left, but I do want to dive into um, the work that you wow. did with with Sea Shepherd, like really diving into that environmental advocacy through video and and really the nexus between how video has the ability to tell these amazing stories and and change minds so um yeah, yeah. floor is yours tell us a little bit about that experience it was uh it was incredible so sea shepherd conservation society um I, I was doing you know volunteering doing some videos for them down in galapagos and my friend who worked there was an environmental lawyer and he said jeff there's this really powerful group of of public prosecutors of these lawyers who uh, meet every two years and talk about environmental cases that they're trying in their other countries. And we, you know, of course we wish that we could bring them here to Galapagos to go swimming with hammerheads, but, but we can't. So I need your help to bring the sharks to them. And I said, yeah, great, let's do it. And so we spent a few years putting together this big film with them and for them, for this big group of lawyers. And then, um, you know, and, and traveled to some fun places, had to, I uh, met with the president of the of the union down in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, I don't speak any Portuguese, so that was really tricky <laughs> doing an interview in Portuguese, but uh, but that was fine. Um, and then um, and then put it together. And then we and then uh, for for the for the final meeting for this big congress, I I printed a thousand DVDs. You know, nice ordered them and had this suitcase, giant suitcase full of DVDs, and then uh, carried it down so that then for the for all 200 um, uh, of these lawyers, I was able to give everyone a stack of five DVDs, and then we go in and we gave this, you know, showed the film, and it was great and really powerful. And um, and we had people come up to us afterwards just saying, look, I had, I had no idea that this was happening in my country, and I'm going to do something about it. And so... My friend who, you know, is still down there working as an environmental lawyer and a professor says that, you know, since then he feels like he has seen a lot of really great action coming out of that network of, of public prosecutors. And so, um, so, so that was kind of a, uh, we did, we worked on that project. Um, and then we worked on another project where, um, they wanted to take Japan to court for, uh, hunting whales down around the Antarctica and the Southern Ocean. And so we made another film talking about whaling and Japan's approach to whaling, saying that it's science. And then we used that to convince um, we used that to convince Australia to take Japan to court at the International Court of Justice, uh, and they won. And then Japan had to cut their whale quota uh, significantly, and they had to take humpback whales off of their quota, and they had to take fin whales off their quota. Um, and, and, uh, and so it was a really big, it was a really big win. And so that was kind of just really opened my eyes that like making films, um, and working in conservation, it's really, 
you know, it, it's 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 all about having a very focused, very targeted, uh, you know, approach and kind of reverse engineering the whole thing. Um, you know, trying to figure out what is it that you want to accomplish. Okay, so then who has the ability to make that decision? And then how do you affect those people? If you can't change their minds, how do you replace those people? And then that's just kind of been my approach ever since. Yeah, and I, I believe you shared with me a video where, where you talked about some of this at a, a TEDx Youth in Montreal uh, conference, too. So um, yeah. really quickly, because we are about three minutes up, a little bit less. Um, yeah. Any wow. advice for Goodbye. folks who want to get involved? Yeah, <laughs> get involved in, <laughs> in these things around environmental stewardship. Yes. Uh, my advice uh, for people who want to get involved is just start. You know, just start at whatever whatever you're comfortable with, um, you know, and maybe that means joining up with some organizations who you think are doing great work. Um, you know, organizations are always looking for volunteers, uh, but also, too, maybe your specialty is something else um, and, and, and there's some other unique way that you can help maybe an organization or maybe just take something on yourself. Um, it's, it's, it's really, you know, I, I just think we're all so lucky to live in such a, a place um, as, as this in, on the western slope of the Sierra Nevada because I think, I think it's so beautiful that I think people love living here. And because they love living here, they want to you know, intentionally create the communities around them that, um, that they want to believe in. And so, yeah, I, I just think that, um, I think that it really gives people a lot of meaning. Um, and, and, and once you're doing things that bring you meaning, then you get happiness. So I think that it's, yeah, it's just a, a perfect synergy that our, our community has with so many wonderful people. Uh, and, and also, too, just, you know, the, the, the fun and, and meaning that we're able to get from engaging in this great community. Uh, Jack is a photography instructor and environmental filmmaker. You've been listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. 